The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, Mr. Hollinger, let's uh, talk about, you know, that awesome NBA Finals and the Warriors and their legacy. And <laughs> Nope, actually, it's time for the draft. Yep, Fuck that. Let's go yep. draft to Thursday. Let's get to it. Uh, before we get started, I wanted to wish you a happy Mason Plumley Guarantee Day. <laughs> What's going to happen? There? Yeah, I mean, obviously, that'll be the first 30 minutes of the show as we discuss whether uh, <laughs> on today, 10 days before the moratorium, when uh, his $9 million salary, only $4.2 million of which is guaranteed, would guarantee fully. What's going to happen there? <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm guessing they probably pick up the guarantee, but I guess we'll know in a few hours. Yeah, I thought like, oh, $9 million for Mason Bowman, that's not great. But then I'm like, he's going to cost him 4.2 regardless. I'm sure they would love to try and trade him, but yeah. the league views that as a negative salary as evidenced by the fact that they got a 20 bump, 20 slot bump in the draft in the second round last year to take him for nothing. So, but it's like, hey, Mason Plumley, backup center for 4.8 million, essentially. Okay, I guess we'll keep him because to trade him, anyone else, it's like, well, we have to take him for 9 million. They already have the 4.2 million they'd owe him either way. So why not just keep him on for another 4.8, especially because hopefully, they're not going to be too impacted by the tax i guess we'll see on that well it depends a little on bridges number but i also think using Plumley as a matching salary in a trade for a better center is kind of their best way to get there like in some of these miles turner scenarios for instance so that that's the other angle here should we do should we do the whole show about Plumley and not talk about the draft oh uh, well what are uh marshall Plumley's prospects for playing next year is he still Okay. I think there's I think there's like a Fred Plumley who who might be on the way up. No? Yeah. So here's how I'd like to start this draft. <laughs> Fred Plumley. <laughs> here's how I'd like to start this conversation. Okay. Who is the highest upside player in the draft team? Huh. I am tempted to say Jaden Ivey, even though I'm not nearly as sure as him hitting it as I am with like Jabari Smith. Um, but that first step explosiveness with him like you could talk yourself into some really high-end outcomes i think there are also i mean it's very plausible that he's just the seventh best player on his team also i so that that that's the thing like what it's not just what is what's the upside but what's the odds of hitting that upside right sure Um, yeah i mean i'm just thinking of like you're i mean i don't know whoever hits their hundred percentile outcome and maybe quite Kawhi leonard probably hits hundred percentile outcome but yeah I, you know, J- J- Nikola Jokic probably hit. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, I would say Kawhi too, considering where he was as a shooter when he got drafted. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, uh, but, but in any event, but or you know, ninetieth percentile outcome. You know, thing where you're just, all right, things went really, really well for this guy. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so Jaden Ivey is the thought just because he's so blindingly fast in a straight line. Uh, yeah. Although, I mean, I could make a case for Jabari Smith too because he has there. There are so many things, different things about him to like. Uh, between the shooting, the defensive switchability, uh, the fact that he's still so young. I mean, there's there's a lot there. So uh, let's start with Ivy first. Uh, and okay. I would say I, I'm lower on him than some. I don't even have him. As, as my number four guy wow, but okay. i think i don't think he has that high of an upside because i just think his shooting is always going to be limited with that form he has he shoots this set shot if you haven't watched much film of him it basically is a carbon copy of john morant's form and there's actually some other morant like yeah aspects absolutely about him as well yeah but and and yeah. it it gets easy to get sucked into the morant like aspects and then lose sight of the fact that okay but he's not actually john morant <laughs> right yes like, this yes. is a different player though 
Right. Nowhere near the vision. Nowhere near, I would say, the explosiveness. I mean, Ja is one of the five best, most explosive point guards. And like Jaden Ivey, he's got some bounce, sure, and it's impressive, particularly off of one foot. But Ja is way smaller than him and is still, you know, doing more as a in terms of just how he's getting up for dunks and finishes. And then just the shiftiness off the dribble that Ja has, the creativity, both as a passer and a dribbler, the floater game i think it's just it's not even close to, to me i mean there are some aspects you know he's got that like uh cross jab move that jaw loves for the right to left crossover but uh and there definitely are some aspects he's watched some john morant film but i guess the the thought to me is I don't he might actually be able to hit his shot reasonably well in the end but because he shoots a set shot there's always going to be a limited level of versatility to that jump shot where I don't think he's going to be a quality option off the dribble he doesn't really have the ability with the way he shoots it to rise up from mid-range it would take a very substantial overhaul and so if he doesn't have a mid-range game and probably not going to be an amazing off the dribble three-point shooter although it's a little easier to take those threes when the defense goes under as a set shot yeah I just don't see how he's going to be like so good as a half court score and pick and roll operator. You know, there's, he could do some stuff off the ball. He, he can, you know, do some Iverson cut type of stuff, rip through a, attack with that first step. But if you just can't, I don't see him being an elite pick and roll threat because of the limitations I talked about. What do you think of that? You're, you're basically banking on him being so explosive that none of that other stuff matters. That, that he just, that he just gets downhill so easily that it just doesn't matter. That, that, I mean that that's that, if you're making the pro case I think that's I think that's the case you're making yeah. Uh, because yeah and that maybe there'll just be so much space that he's just gonna blow by guys and put so much pressure on the rim and you know, maybe he can fill in behind that later with more creativity with the handle tightening that up I I, I guess the the other thing that my concern about him maybe this isn't specifically upside related but it relates to my last point is I don't really see him being a primary ball handler all the time and then I think if you if you're thinking of him as a two then there start to be some more limitations there particularly with some of the expectations you have for shooting the ball at the two position i think he's the guy that you're putting the ball in his hands his rookie year expecting him to have a ridiculous turnover rate and hoping <laughs> he you know and having him be one of those guys who figures it out as he goes along i mean, I mean that's yeah. that that's what i would you know put him on a rebuilding team just put the ball in his hands say you know you're gonna run 30 pick and rolls a game and you know it's probably gonna look like crap at first but sort of like the you know a little bit with houston did with jalen green last year where it's just like yeah. okay you're gonna you're gonna play we're gonna put the ball in your hands and it's gonna look like crap at first and you're gonna get better yeah the the russell westbrook the, another guy yeah who's westbrook and okc and, yeah would be the yeah yeah absolutely and, and to be clear i don't think that iv again is is at the physical level that westbrook was either still very very good very very good in a straight line in particular but not not just to that level you know an all-time level of that I don't think he's quite there. Um, and then defensively, I think he's going to be a one-two defender. Well, he's a one-position defender at the two right now, I would say. And maybe if he improves his screen navigation, he can guard one. But that's also, since he can't really move up to the three, you know, there are some limitations there too. Yeah, yeah, abs- absolutely. I, I thought his defensive tools were pretty good, but he was pretty pretty inconsistent about using them. Yeah, um, yeah you but- hope his steal rate would be higher given his physical tools. I agree with that. You want to see more anticipation from him uh, at, at both ends, really. Um, but I don't know. It's a you know, it's an imperfect draft. I think it's not as strong as last year's, and this is this is what we, this is what we're looking at in the top five. Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds 
of high quality fabrics to choose from european wools linen cottons tons of colors tons of patterns you can customize things like the lapel the vents the pockets and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style so level up your game with indochino go to indochino.com and use the code per easy to remember because john invented it use per to get 10 percent off any purchase of 399 dollars or more that's 10 percent off at indochino i-n-d-o-c-h-i-n-o indochino.com and don't forget that per code to let them know you came from us I remember after college, before I was going to move on to the next chapter of my life, my buddy and I went to Hilton Head, South Carolina to work some summer jobs and hang out. We had a great time, except for his car. His car was awful. We called it the POS. It was like a 91 Oldsmobile Cutlass Sierra. We're allowed to talk about Oldsmobile now that it's a defunct brand, right? Is that okay? This thing had the turning radius of a World War I battleship, broke down all the time, just a, a miserable vehicle to drive. And when customers are rushing to your store, you want a point of sale system that you can trust, not a real POS like my buddy's car. You need Shopify for retail. It makes it easy to accept payments, manage orders, and build relationships with customers. You can sell in person, backed by everything that you need to sell online, track every sale across your business in one place, know exactly what's in stock, connect with customers in line and online. You can drive in-person store traffic with plug-and-play tools for marketing campaigns on social media, Get great hardware that fits your business, accept credit cards, mobile payments, every other major payment method, all with low fees and transparent pricing starting on day one. Plus, their award-winning help is there to support you every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash PER. All lowercase, easy to remember slash PER because John invented PER. Go to shopify.com slash PER to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash per so i will spoil this we'll get to jabari in a second i don't have jabari or iv in my top two in terms of uh highest possible upside but we'll get to that let's talk about jabari here okay make the case for me of jabari i mean just being number one overall and particularly as it relates to upside because for people who have followed me for a long time in the draft that's kind of what i prioritize above basically everything. yeah so jabari smith a little unusual for a number one pick because he wasn't really a a ball in hand player uh, and I'm not sure he totally profiles as that, even as a pro. Uh, didn't have massive rates of uh, rebounds, blocks, steals, so didn't have like that that athletic dominance in his profile either. Um, I watching him in person when they when they played Nebraska and Atlanta. Uh, I mean, his jump shot is just perfect. I, I mean, that thing is just butter. Um, and uh, probably you know I'd compare him to like Michael Porter Jr. as far as a prospect with just a perfect looking jump shot well wow, um, so you think it's that good huh because you yeah. mentioned to me that in 2018 michael porter jr had the best shooting workout that you'd ever seen for yeah a yeah and yeah that was his, with a bad back yeah 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 that, i mean that that was completely on another level i've seen smith shoot before you know before games it's not quite on that level but like the form is just man it's just airtight um yeah and no, no dip as well gets it off quickly high release i, I mean it's it's about as good as you're ever going to see for a 6'10 freshman. Yeah, sure. abs- absolutely. You know, maybe not KD level, but the next level below. And he, um, I think he actually relies on that a little too much. Like he just wants to face up and shoot that jump shot. And I think he could use his athleticism more to you know, put the ball on the deck, get by guys and get, get some easier shots for himself. And it, so it, it almost holds him back a little bit. I felt like watching him that it's just so easy for him to rise up from the mid post that he doesn't really seek out higher value shot opportunities or or ways to assist teammates um now we'll see how that develops in the pro game i mean i think you know against switches he's just gonna be able to rise up over a guy which means he's gonna start drawing doubles which means maybe that you know that that turns into him becoming more of a passer. The the other thing I really like about him defensively, I, I think he can be really good. I mean, when guards tried to take him on switches, they just made idiots out of themselves. Um, he's he doesn't seem to have like amazing shot blocking instincts, but he's going to be a really solid defender. I think. Yeah, that that was my thought on him as just a solid defender. I think you know he's probably too big to get over a screen to really be the guy who's going to guard the best 
playing the other team in conventional pick and roll defense like that probably can't really be his role i didn't think he quite has the help instincts to play small ball center regularly maybe if you get the right pieces around him like the clippers or something then perhaps that would be more possible i i think certainly in his first couple years he's not going to be that now can he be that when he's 25 i i think that's still on the table so i'll get to why i'm lower on jabari than the consensus by quite a bit in fact in a second but i wanted to ask you about his physical profile and you mentioned seeing him in person i just noted on the film that for a college four man he just looks like massive out there and you know the wingspan is not like crazy it's i think it's seven one you know it's not quite like katie brandon ingram style of wingspan but still you know he's got totally good size for an nba power forward but do you think there's a possibility that he could just grow into his body a little more and just be like this massive athletic force or do you think that he kind of is what he is right now this is obviously well into the realm of speculation yeah but a lot of the times that i've been wrong about guys Mm -hmm. is to just not anticipate maybe them growing another inch or two like Giannis, that's how i blew it on him was i yeah you know just became this athletic force in a way that i didn't anticipate well enough yeah i mean the, the thing with smith so may 2003 birth date so he's six months younger than bancaro he's a full year younger than holmgren uh so you have to price that in a little bit that he may have a little more physical development left in him than those other guys um and he does like he did look to me like a guy who was still growing into his body like i i mean i guess i always use jaron jackson jr as my comparison obviously my time yeah. with grizzlies um i think he's probably more grown into his body than jaron was at that point but you could tell he's still like he's still on that pathway so to speak um as opposed to like i don't know yudoka azabuike or something who's like completely filled out when he's 16 or allegedly 16 um but that's another <laughs> discussion but anyway um so uh, i i do think there's some of that in play where there's there's an upside level to what he can get to physically too so here's why i don't have him in my highest upside prospects and, and therefore i'm okay. lower on him he like can't get by anybody i i would i agree that he took a lot of iso jumpers but when he'd try his rip through moves you know the his turn and face rip through that uh inside pivot move which was kind of the, the move that he really liked he just didn't get the separation which i i was very disappointed by because hey you have this great jumper presumably the threat of that is going to get people to press up on you and then you should be able to blow by him and right. i think I, I looked at it and of his isolations because that was like the big thing that they did for him in college right they just iso him at the elbow and i think he had maybe 50 of those and synergy tracks three categories it's just basically does he shoot it right away does he put it on the floor and then take a jumper or does he actually go to basket is is the last category and fewer than 10 percent of the time did he go to basket which is just about the lowest i can ever see in ever looking at that category for anybody at, at any level and so he's a unique talent yeah. is what you're saying yeah <laughs> uh and you know doesn't really have a handle he didn't run any pick and roll and so i, I think if you you're drafting this guy number one it's like he is if he doesn't really to me have the scoring versatility to be a primary option i also just didn't think he had the scoring feel right he got blocked a lot around the rim didn't really look great to me as a finisher given his size and his leaping ability is good but not unbelievable he gets some big dunks but he also just gets to you know he got three shots just thrown back in his face in the north alabama game mm-hmm. uh for example and so i think he just he doesn't have just that natural slithery scoring feel that you hope for drafting like a scoring forward number one and i'm i'm so i think there are just such limited pathways to me for him to be a number one maybe even number two score unless he's just getting set up all the time like unless he's just like coming off screens and like firing jumpers i don't see you know his passing wasn't any good either on the move so i don't see how he becomes just that like unbelievable score which if he's not that then why are you taking him number one that's my thought yeah see i i struggled with that a little bit too because i was like okay am i you know is it really worth taking the number one pick spending the number one pick on richard lewis um for to to use like a player comp um yeah or even a better defending version of of richard lewis um i th- i think you you with all these guys there's a little bit of a leap of faith in terms of the developmental steps that they can that they can take uh he he, he does have to be more functional as a creator like i don't think you can just do jab step jumpers uh, and have a whole career yeah. based on that right. there, there's only so many shots you can create
create that way at this point in the NBA of just dump it down to a guy in the post. Yeah. So uh, what you know what what can he do as he grows into that body more uh, to to leverage that jump shot of his in a better way? I, I think that's I think that's a really interesting question. I, you know, I always get a little nervous about guys who who don't have a great handle. Um, I think that's an underrated skill set, even for role players in the NBA. But when I when I like, I didn't feel so confident in these other guys to put them to put them above above Jabari at the end of the day. I do think Jabari might be one of the highest floor guys because of his jumper and his physical yeah. profile and what should be at a minimum adequate defense. So I, I I like him in that respect. But it's just it's tough for me to say this guy should be number one when there is a scenario maybe where he gets to be that unbelievable player, but it would involve just a, a big physical leap to me to to start with ah the sweet sound of sports you love from sling the collide of football pads the squeak of shoes on a basketball court the crack of the bat on a home run the slice of skates cutting across the ice but what about this one that's the sound of all the sports you love all at once starting at $40 a month experience it all live with sling sling pulling up to mickey d's just for drinks oh yeah that's me nothing extra just perfection and a straw coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block because there are drinks then there are drinks from mcdonald's Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Okay, so let, let me give you the player that I think is easily the highest upside guy in the draft. I don't think it's close, and that's Shaden okay. Sharp. Really? I mean, just, just because he hasn't proven that he's not? or Well, okay. Here, here's how I, I went about it, right? And obviously, okay. there's risk there in theory because we haven't seen him do it at a high level. We've just seen it in high school and that magical EYBL season where he became the number one recruit in the 2022 high school class and then reclassified this year and spent time in Kentucky. It obviously, didn't play for them at all. And we can get kind of more, more into all of that stuff. But let's say you... You took Shaden Sharp, what we saw from him in high school, mm-hmm. and compared it to all of the other guys at the same point in their career. He's probably the best at any of these guys, right? Yeah, I mean, Holmgren would be the one you would say. Yeah. Uh, he was a pretty awesome high school player. Bancaro came in highly touted, but I, I don't know if he was quite on quite on Sharp's level as, as far as the... As... So, so to me, uh, Sharp, I, I went back and looked at it, and he's very good measurements for a shooting guard. 6'5", 6'11", wingspan, huge hand. Um, you know, pretty much a nuclear level of finisher at the basket. If he's not Anthony Edwards and Jalen Green, he's very close to that level. Mm-hmm. I would say his skill level at the same age is higher than either of those guys as a dribbler and a shooter. Footwork, getting to step backs, maybe not quite the same level of first step as those guys getting to the basket. Um, and, you know, maybe not the same type of, you know, he hasn't shown like quite the same level of competitiveness maybe as at least Jalen and green but you know, all those guys had some questions about kind of their, their defense and their floor game and stuff and, and sharp hasn't been a number one option he's been a late bloomer relatively so he, but his passing game i'd say is about the same as like green and edwards but if you look at that physical profile and then go back in history of like that combination of physical profile and dribbling and shooting skill there's not many guys as you go back that had that uh at this type of an age right if you go back and look at you know, I think Edwards and Green are in that conversation. He's, I'd say he's more athletic than Markel Fultz, who's kind of a similar size. Fultz at a, a higher skill level, to be sure, I would say. And so you go back and look at the list of all these players and there's everyone who's had this level of athleticism and this level of skill has worked out to be really good. And I understand there's some uncertainty about his path and all that, but it just, I, I think it's just obvious to me. I don't see anyone else who could be, has this level of upside to finish at the rim like that and shoot the ball the way he can and have a, a pretty good skill level for a just turned 19 year old shooting guard so that that's my thought i would i haven't fully decided yet but i would have him and boncaro in probably my top tier and i might even have him number one wow uh i watched him shoot before the saint peter's game uh and i can confirm like th- 
that is a nice looking shot. Like he will, he will be able to yeah. make NBA shots. There, I, I have yeah. little doubt about. That. Um, I think everyone in the league thinks it's a little weird that he didn't play any games for Kentucky, even though he was eligible to play. Um, yeah, I, I agree that that is somewhat concerning. I only have access to the tape. That's it. You know, yeah. and I yeah. don't have access to these workouts where there have been conflicting reports on how it's been. But yeah. I would imagine it hasn't been amazing. Otherwise, he would be talked about in the top five right yeah i i i had thought he might start rocketing up once teams got him in for workouts and really dug back in on him and the fact that it seems to be going a little bit in the opposite direction kind of makes me wonder yeah uh kind of makes me wonder too it, if who knows some... though i think that there's also an, an incentive to say that he's looked like shit so you can get him right like yeah i mean it's, there it, could there's, be that too there's that there's that whole game without a doubt um yeah you just you never know with these guys they could some of these guys like yeah, Patrick Williams could go higher than anyone expects and sometimes these guys just can't find a floor and they just drop yeah you know, it's just really hard to tell i think like his range is probably higher than any other player in the draft yeah well the especially especially with so many teams looking to trade and there's a lot of uncertainty um you know you you hear some oklahoma city noise with him which could could i mean if you try to piece things together and play detective you could say well oklahoma city sitting there at 12 you know do they want to get out there that he's looked like shit in front of these other teams and then and so that he can he can fall yeah. to them or that they don't have to well, trade and, up. And they've got the ammo. Yeah, right. They've got the ammo to move up and get him. And I would absolutely encourage them to do that. Uh, yeah. I think he would be a fantastic fit there uh, with some of the guys they have. And just the, they're looking for for upside guys. But, but in terms of just the, the film for him and what you've seen in person, like what are his weaknesses to the extent I haven't discussed them already just as a basketball player in addition, you know, or independent of all this other crap. I mean, probably. Like what is thing. what is he going to be on defense? Um, yeah, is is you know probably probably one of the biggest things. And then I, I actually think I actually think that the, otherwise though the concerns aren't as much purely basketball related as you know kind of how competitive is this guy? What's what's going on with uh, you know whatever he's doing off the court? You know he's had some weird Zoom interviews already, so it's it's all that. Yeah, yeah, and that's a. Uh... That's a concern for me. Uh, th- those are kind of concerns with Michael Porter Jr. to to some degree as well, and and he went low, and even with the injury concerns, probably should have gone higher. You know, I, I think I just I can't get over. To me, even it, it's obviously not this simple, and I watched a lot of him, but just watching a five minute highlight tape of him, and I'm like, why this guy should be in the top five in draft? Yeah, I mean the draft the draft is a is a talent grab at the end of the day, and sometimes teams can lose sight of that. Uh, I'm I'm really interested to see where this ends up with him. Obviously. And then he, I presume he'll play summer league, and and we'll we'll get a look under the hood there, and that'll be really interesting. Uh, so the other guy I have as the highest upside is Boncaro, and make the case for me for why he's below Jabari and Chet. We'll, we'll talk about Chet too. Chet would probably be number three in terms of my my upside guy. I was trying to figure out yeah. what is Boncaro's really high end skill in the NBA. Um, he's you know he's got a decent frame, but he's probably more of a pure four. His arms are maybe. A a little short um he's he's not like a true rim protector or anything uh good shot creator pretty good passer especially for his age don't totally trust his shot like i think his shot's gonna be okay but it gets it can get a little flat and a little uh uh what's the word i'm looking for um inconsistent it, inconsistent yeah i mean the the form actually changed up a little bit during the course of the season if you were really watching um i got a great look at him three straight acc tournament games i think he's definitely a really good prospect. I have him number two on my board. Uh, I just, I just don't get crazy excited about his his upside. I think he could be a really good offensive player, but probably more as like a number two guy. Yeah, this is the first person I heard come up with this analogy. I thought it was a, a really good one. Is uh, Keandre Ashley, who I had on uh, my pod yesterday. I think he does the best draft YouTube videos right now, okay. and because uh, Schmitz now works for the Blazers so I I couldn't have him on anymore. And so I I thought his comparison was like a later career Blake Griffin like Blake Griffin on the piston Ooh, that type of game I like that and, and yeah I, I, I thought that was uh-huh. really good right so so I think that to me he's not no he's gonna be early career Blake with the nuclear athleticism yeah. but at 610 there's probably 10 guys in NBA history that have as good a handle as he does at that size at 610 250 maybe even less than that 
and so I don't think he's going to be like an unbelievably efficient score like you'd have to make some really big improvements either as a finisher or as a shooter or getting to the foul line which he didn't do a, a ton of you know I think his his jumper is going to be more like okay if you leave me wide open I'll take it as opposed to a huge weapon yeah but I think because he can dribble he can run pick and roll with smaller players and like if you ran him as the handler and Jalen Green as the roll man on Houston that could be pretty nasty I, I would say like you can't switch that then he's a great passer he averaged four this game the second half of the year you know, I thought his ability to play high low type of stuff with Mark Williams and also he could bludgeon smaller guys in the post so I'm like he's a not a great finisher you know I mean that was the biggest thing just the ball didn't quite go in enough for him to me around the basket and from three is better from mid-range that again that, I mean his, his jumper is way better I'd say than Blake at a similar stage but oh, I don't think he's ever yeah. going to be yeah I mean Blake had one of the greatest shooting improvements anyone's ever had mm-hmm. but I, I think enough of a threat there and then can maybe can't kill guys his size in the post but can kill smaller guys in the post run a lot of pick and roll grab and go make plays on the move there finish around the rim with some dunks underneath uh, if he's open like that I, I think that's the he's a guy that I think you can run a lot of stuff through even if he's going to be a 57 percent true shooting guy instead of a 61 percent yeah 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 I mean I I like him a lot I got him number two on my board I, I just you know both these guys Smith and Bancaro I think last year they'd be fourth on my board um so sure. just just putting this in perspective but uh in in this draft like I if I'm Houston I'm pretty happy if Bancaro gets to me and he fits there really well too yeah other than on the defensive end floor where I think he he, he and Shengun is gonna be pretty flammable even if I'm not as low on Paulo's defense as some like I think he can actually hold up in a one-on-one situation some against smaller players but I, he like definitely no he definitely can like he I think he'll be switchable maybe like two through four um right so I I don't think he's like toast there but he's not going to be so good that he that he offsets Shangun unless Shangun gets a lot better all right let's talk about Chet here mm-hmm. and it sounds like he's is he your number three I have him fourth fourth who uh, I had Ivy I had Ivy third and Holmgren fourth so you're probably lower on him than just about anybody it, it seems like I I would have him third I would say probably okay. and that's uh I'm lower than than most people so why are you a little lower on him than it seems like some people are okay so I think the reason that some people are low are low on him is actually the wrong reason I think people yeah. look at him physically and think about injuries and just think he's going to get broken in half I actually think for a very tall player being thin is an advantage because it reduces mm-hmm. the strain on the feet and uh, knees and ankles which are the biggest risk factor for players of that size as they get as they go on in their careers so I think him being so skinny actually might be a positive in some ways um where it's a where it's a negative is that offensively he's miles turner right like he's he's ne- he just can't post anybody up he can he can shoot from three he's he's okay he's you know he's i don't know if he's a knockdown guy he might get to that point at some point he's good enough he can make them right um and he he finishes around the rim but i wouldn't call him a pure rim runner either like he's not flying down the lane with speed or, or anything um defensively pretty great rim protector right like you're you're sure. drafting him thinking maybe he can be Rudy, Rudy Gobert on the defensive uh again I use Miles Turner as my comp for him though more um he he is a year older than most of these other one and dones yeah he um I also thought he wasn't that great playing guards in space like I so it's the same vulnerability that every other five has basically so it gets into my logic of don't use high draft picks on fives well I I would actually feel much better about him being super high if I knew he could be play five full-time because then his shooting ability would really be a huge weapon as opposed to just kind of decent mm-hmm. uh if he's playing the four and I think the shooting is is one very and there are a lot of variables with him we've never seen a guy like him probably the closest physical comp would be bowl bowl who obviously is never both from a, a makeup standpoint and from a, a physical standpoint hasn't really been able to get on the floor but when he has wasn't really able to play center chat obviously a way more productive you know great kid a incredibly hard worker and it doesn't have the injury concerns and just also plays with way more toughness i mean that's the one yeah. thing that is very impressive is like he's he will fight and really battle in a way that you don't normally see from these sean bradley bull bull type of no it's dudes. more i mean i'd compare him more i don't think he's on this level but like young kg almost where he was crazy skinny but also had that men- 
mentality. Yeah, and I think, but unlike KG, he's just one of these guys who's never going to put on any at all. Like, he's just going to look like this his whole career. He'll probably get stronger and get some core strength and might be able to do better there. But I I think this is what he's going to look like. So playing him at center, I think, is not going to be an every night, every matchup proposition. Maybe you can close that way against most teams, but not against Denver or against Philly or something like that. Um, Defensively, so it seems like, you know, he might need to be used kind of like Giannis gets used next to Brooke Lopez, kind of like how Rob Williams gets used next to Al Horford, where he kind of, you try to keep him out of the action, keep him on the back line, play a conventional pick and roll defense with him, even though he's playing at the four, which I, and I think he could be very good at any conventional pick and roll defense cover. I think his mobility is well above average for a center. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the question is how valuable that can be defensively when you kind of do need to have another big next to him at least some of the time. Yeah. But may- maybe the answer is that's very valuable because now you have two bigs and you have two rim protectors on the floor. Some of the best defenses we've seen recently have been that uh, that construction. Yeah, I just, I don't like that you can play him with a shooting guard. I mean, I guess you can make the same argument with Brook Lopez now since Milwaukee never posts him up, but there's at least the threat of like, we could post this guy up and he will mash you, um, which just doesn't exist with Holmgren. So. Yeah, is, is that true? It, it, I mean, I think he, like, he will post up. I think if he had space, he could kind of just zigzag back and forth, step around the guy a, lo- a little bit, or or you front him, you could throw it over the top. You could get some offensive boards. Like I don't think you'd be totally helpless in against switches necessarily. Or you can just shoot over the top of guys too if he's if he. That would be the biggest thing if he shoot. got enough core strength where he could just rise up and not be affected yeah. by the by the muscle. You know, could he could he get to like a Rick Smiths type level offensively? <laughs> the dunking Dutchman. I'm just going to be blasting out players from the '90s. My yeah. comps here. So he he's just tough to figure, and I think a lot of people. Have struggle with him but he is always i mean this too skinny thing has dogged him for a long time he's always been insanely productive at basically any level and he's good passer got the grab and go thing like i don't know if he's gonna be a guy who can average 20 but i think he could figure out a way to average like high teens and spaces the floor and then defensively could possibly be a game changer he could possibly be that good so i think he's there are a lot of things where you know maybe it's the passing maybe he becomes like an awesome shooter if he speeds up his release uh, maybe the grab and go gets to look a little bit better. Maybe he's just like that good defensively as a rim protector. So I think there are some outs for him to get to be an all-star, but there will have to be, you know, he's going to have to hit on like two of these aspects to really yeah. improve. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's probably so. Like and, I said, I mean, you know, it's hard to, he's not going to be a number one offensive option. I think everyone. Is yeah, that's that. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. So really good prospect, right? I got him fourth on my board. A lot of people have him second. Some, you know, you have him third, I think. Right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I, yeah, I don't really see him as like a true number one. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Who would be next uh, on your board here? Did, is Ivy as fifth? All right. I have Ivy third. Oh, Ivy third. Okay. And so Ivy who, third, who Holmgren fourth. Okay, so then fifth is. Uh, I had Benedict Matherin fifth. Yeah, I haven't watched him yet. So uh, take us through uh, what, uh, and he's actually mocked now by ESPN to go to the Pistons uh, in the number five slot, assuming Ivy is off the board. So uh, what? He's been a riser. What is the big appeal there? I think he's pretty. 
certain to be a pretty good 3 and D wing, which is a $20 million player right, right there. And then there's still upside scenarios where he maybe becomes more as a scorer. Uh, I think he's still on his upward curve talent-wise. He, uh, 6'6 sophomore, definitely got better this year with Arizona. Good shooter, not maybe not a great shooter at this point, but a good. you, you want to cover him at the line. Uh, still needs to improve yeah, his he's handle. got some movement shooting potential for sure. Yeah. Uh, handle and feel are just okay at this point. He definitely showed some progress this year from his freshman year, but he's still, like, if you put him in a game tomorrow, he's more like a 3 and D guy than he is a secondary creator. But I think he can get to the point of being that secondary creator. Uh, and he's got a lot of bounce off of two feet as well. Yeah. He, he's kind of Ben McLemore-like, I would say, in some respects, but obviously McLemore busted, but he's the, kind of that physical profile, I'd say. Yeah, he's maybe a little, a little bit bigger though. A little bigger. Macklemore's yeah. maybe six three. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, pretty, pretty, pretty solidly built. Uh, def- defensively, I think he can still get a lot better. He he was just he was just okay. Uh, I think he kind of relied on his physical tools a little too much as opposed to just like getting in a stance. So some of the stuff I think like eye test wise is fairly correctable, and I I could still see him making a pretty strong improvement track from here, which is one of the reasons why I put him fifth. Yeah, maybe he could be a 20 point score and, and i could see how maybe because yeah you, you mentioned a 20 million dollar shooting guard some of those contracts haven't been great but uh, other ones are, are okay so yeah maybe like a little like tim hardaway jr in his game as well that sort of but i, I think he could be stronger than hardaway jr probably better defensively than him so. and yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah although he hasn't put great defensive work on film yet it, it sounds like but he's also got very good tools um um, yeah, that, that's interesting. So uh, you you have above Sharp, it, it sounds like, and above Keegan Murray as well then? Uh, yeah, I had Sharp 6. Uh, we talked about him. And again, this is a, I mean, my ranking on Sharp felt obviously like much more of a dart throw. Um, yeah. But I, you know, I, I think I I ran through some of the, I'm, I'm looking at what I wrote actually on The Athletic. I mean, kind of kind of the same the same arguments. I mean, he guys of this profile, the fail rate is pretty low. So uh, Keegan Murray's kind of interesting. Uh, where did you have him? I'm still, again, I'm still going to work through it before I, I record with Danny tomorrow to do my final board. Okay. I think I probably would have him above Ivy and right same tier as Jabari, but might even have him above uh, Jabari. And I realize he's 22 already. He's not going to be a superstar, but I think particularly if he's in the right system on the right team, that he can basically score in every possible way as a play finisher. And I think his jump shot, like, I I don't know if he's going to be a 40% guy, but I think he'll be high 30s and have some good versatility to that. He can come off some screens he can play out of split cut actions on the perimeter great cutter averaged three offensive rebounds and when he got the offensive rebound it went right back in the basket his transition grab and go game was unbelievable his running the floor in transition was unbelievable his post-up efficiency like i don't think he's going to be killing like-size guys in the post but quick duck-ins switch the pick and roll throw it to him like he was the most efficient post player in the ncaa so it just he brings so much scoring versatility other than simply being able to go one-on-one as man off dribble so like i was thinking my wet dream for him was like him being on the warriors basically and just like how he would look in that system there aren't a lot of teams that play that way i realized that like i actually think he'd be an okay fit in sacramento playing off of some of the sabonis dho stuff as well yeah but i and i think defensively he can be pretty solid give you some secondary rim protection and maybe kind of be more of like a two through four defender like you were talking about uh, maybe not against the absolute best guys but still be solid uh, defensively so that's my thought i just i loved the way that he played so much in that iowa system i try not to get seduced by that too much yeah but i I think he's definitely one of like the highest floor guys in the draft and it just depends on where he's gonna go but if you use him properly i think he could average 20 and do it extremely efficiently so my 1990s era player comp for him is cedric sabalo like could cedric shoot it all though well you didn't really need to shoot back then Uh, (laughs) um 
but like he just has this feel for scoring where he can get buckets in so many different ways yeah. and you just he, look he's up got a lot of pop like, around the basket too like he can get some alley-oops and stuff too tip dunks like he, i think his his athleticism is a little underrated yeah because he he looks like a glider but then you're like oh he's he's above the rim though um yeah pretty decent length too uh he's like he's not a crazy athlete he's not quite a knockdown shooter but i think he's good enough uh the biggest thing i didn't like about him was that he doesn't get easy separation off the dribble um so if you're just gonna iso him i don't think i don't think that really works but he's one of these guys like i mean i would use tj warren as another comp who just Hmm. like the he just finds buckets just in the flow of the game he just you know you look up you're like shit he's got 17 points already like and 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 i I think sometimes the league undervalues that because they're trying to slide guys into boxes but he he just has this kind of easy feel to him and and just like he's just gonna score points like he he is um so yeah, offensive rebounding transition like you know he's just he'll probably get six to eight points a game just off of like that kind of crap or like you know just a smart cut when they run a pick and roll on the other side i just i don't want him to go to a team where all he's gonna do is just stand in the corner or stand on the wing in the half court and just yeah. shoot when he's open like it, yeah. there needs to be a more movement based him hopefully yeah but, like so. i wouldn't really care for him on like the dallas mavericks i mean i you know yeah we're talking about these teams that all aren't any good and don't really have a system i actually with the pacers i think he'd be a nice fit with halliburton that could be another um, landing spot for him for sure I, yeah. to iowa iowa based guys uh, uh detroit is a little more interesting since it's you know a little more cade centric there yeah he might, he might be standing around I, a little I, more i like the fit in terms of just having a bunch of wings but yeah I, i'm not a big fan of like doing casey just some like great movement offensive system at this point but again you're, you're drafting this guy to for what he can be in a few years even at a 22 year yeah so you're you're high on him than i am um i you know, I, I actually I, would like him if he fell to new orleans i don't know that he would though i think he's gonna go before that yeah I, I think it, he it is, seems like I, yeah i think he is gone by six at the latest yeah but new orleans definitely having a, a play finisher would be really useful for them the um you know him being him being 22 is definitely a little bit of a red flag you know i was definitely one of these system teams who i think has made guys look a little better than they are in the past um so you you worry about that a little bit it. yeah no i i think that's true although they he he helped make the system as well to be i mean it's not like they had so much talent to be i think like fourth in the ncaa in offense but yeah i agree with you i mean they're doing a bunch of motion stuff so other thing i wanted to ask you about here before we do rapid fire on some a few mm-hmm. more prospects to wrap up is the kings are at four right yeah and Jaden ivy is the presumed guy that everyone wants seems like the pistons would just take ivy at five he seems like actually a pretty good fit there to me so so if you want Ivy, and it seems like some teams are pretty hot for him. You've got to get ahead of Detroit in theory. Sacramento, I wouldn't say that De'Aaron Fox or uh, Davion Mitchell are good enough players, particularly Mitchell, where I'd be like, oh, we won't draft over the top of this guy if we think Ivy is the best. But if that's maybe their conception, and Ivy probably also doesn't want to go there for that reason, how are the Sacramento Kings handling this? Take us through the thought process as they go into this draft, looking for trade, maybe potentially still taking this guy anyway if they think he's the best etc what's going through their minds right now so i'm 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 a big believer in best player available uh sometimes that can be a little hard in practice um especially at the ends of the positional spectrum point guard and center where it's hard to have multiples of the same and the the thing you're going through now you have the other variable that ivy is trying to make sure he doesn't end up in in sacramento and so you're not going to have the medical information on him he's not going to work out for you which is probably i mean these when you get through these high level workouts i mean the workouts are kind of bullshit anyway i mean it's one on zero workouts against my buddy yeah, the chair. For, for guys in like the top five you're yeah, saying yeah exactly uh so it's more important actually the quote-unquote workout it's more important like the the meet and greet interview whatever uh i think i think that's probably a bigger part of it at, at that point but if you're sacramento i think the thing you want to do is make detroit truly believe that you're going to take Jaden ivy at four uh so that you can do a four for five trade at the very least or bluff that you're going to trade with wash trade with washington at 10 and washington's going to take ivy unless detroit does the deal that you want to do um because i, I do think detroit has a 
preference for IV. And so you want to you want to play that out and milk milk the most you can. Uh, It's easier to do stuff like that at the top of the draft where you sort of know what's going to happen ahead of you. And there's not as many variables as opposed to when you're like at 17. Look, you don't know who's going to be available even. So it's tough to it's tough to work the angles on the team behind you because that. So uh, I you definitely want to do a little bit of bluffing and and smoke screening. Like you point out, I mean, Keegan Murray would fit there pretty well. They have a win now uh, MO there, even though I would argue they they shouldn't. Uh, It's it's what they have. And he, you know, you can argue Keegan Murray would help them more this adding Keegan Murray to what they have right now would help them more this year. You know, when the Kings roster is basically all, you know, people guards six, four and shorter and centers is like their whole team and Harrison Barnes. So adding another real forward, I, I think, has an obvious benefit to them. I it's it's going to be a tough call if they don't have the trade that they want. Um, I think I think you really want to get that four for five trade with with Detroit if you're them. Yeah, but as Detroit, really the only way to get leverage is Sacramento is well, we've actually got a better deal than this one. You got to use it's external leverage because you can't just be like, oh yeah, we'll just take IV. I think I don't think anyone's going to buy that at this point. Yeah, I think I think I mean sometimes you, you you do run into situations where you take players who don't work out for you. It's actually more common later in the draft because what happens is you have forty five player agents telling you that their player is going to go in the top twenty, and so they don't need to work out for you and. And, and so you inevitably like the, the players who work out for you are the players who are not going to be who are who are not going to be under consideration when you pick basically is this is how it works out sometimes but uh getting getting back to the ivy situation i'm wandering a little bit i just it's 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 a it's a really tough tough spot but i you see i still think because i come from the mindset that sacramento shouldn't be trying to win this year anyway so why would not you just draft ivy but if you're actually trying to win this year then you yeah you actually probably should draft murray I guess there's something to the idea too that for an embattled GM in the last year of his contract that getting a player who can produce right away even if you don't make the playoffs like hey we drafted really well here right that's yeah the, and if you can prove that immediately whereas if you draft uh but I, I mean to me though if you draft a young guy and that guy gives you anything that's like even more exciting and buys you even more time as a front office if just the young guy that you get shows you like oh this guy could just have like massive upside I think that's actually better for your job security if that guy hits than to get keegan murray and like yeah already looks like he'll be a starter you know yeah that's um yeah so, so you're in this this position once back in 2018 where luca was ahead of you guys and then also like trey young who atlanta wanted i think people kind of thought you guys aren't going to take a point guard because you had mike conley at the time and we were going to make one last run with him so what was it like for you being at number four with all this trade activity around you maybe trying to move up for luca when atlanta wasn't interested in him travis Schlein, like every report up until like the day before the draft indicated that atlanta wasn't interested in luca and then schlank leaked yeah. to Woj that they were interested in luca just because so they could like drum up the trade market and then eventually trade out of that spot but just take us through what your your memories were that's how to the extent you can talk about it yeah sure it was really interesting because we thought at first we were going to be in a tough spot because we thought it would go Aiton, Luca, Jaron like we thought Sacramento liked Luca at first and Atlanta liked Jaron and so we were going to be left a a lot of people uh, made out pretty well uh, with uh, that decision by Vlade yeah so we thought at four, we were going to be a little tight, a little bit of a tight spot. Like the consensus was sort of, you know, Bagley Carter, you know, is, is like the four or five. And it was like, we, we weren't really excited yeah. about Bombo that. Bombo was in that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we were looking at scenarios. We were trade down with the Clippers who had 12 and 13 that year. Uh, we liked Shake Gildas Alexander. Um, I, you know, so we were, we were kind of looking at that one. Would he still be there at 12? And then once, once it became clear that Sacramento was going Bagley, then it was like, oh, okay. Like we're gonna get we're gonna get a guy we like either way now at three you know at three four um it was it. the other interesting part was like once once the Luca Trey part of it became more clear that it was happening you know there was like you could theoretically like draft Trey and try to take a hostage uh the, the yeah pull pull the uh the Alfred Payton the Sam Hinky Alfred Payton yeah the, from twenty fourteen yeah the the problem was that I I I just I just 
think they would have worked around us anyway. Like I think I think at the end of the day, Atlanta would have been Atlanta would have been fine getting Jaron uh, because the reason they moved part of the, their logic in moving off of Jaron at three was that they could get Trey and a future first. Well, so right. if they could get Jaron and a future first, then they were definitely going to do that. It seemed like um, so uh, so so that wasn't really in play. And then I guess the other thing we could have um, that that could have been a possibility was trading up to two with Sacramento, um, which they didn't seem that excited about. And we were already out a future first. So it was hard to even offer anything that was really enticing. Um, whereas Dallas was offering their first the very next year uh, in, in their move up. Um, so we were, we were, we had our hands tied a little bit that way. So we were, I mean, we were pretty damn happy that we were able to get one of our top three guys at four because we, we were worried that like we were going to be right after the cliff. So uh, it, it ended up working out pretty well. And then obviously for us to, I mean, Trey was the other guy there and like for us to draft Trey when we still had Mike Conley in his prime. I mean, that that's where you're getting a little bit of like, you want to say best player available, but like having two small point guards on your team at the same time, or it's what the Grizzlies ran into before I got there with Mike Conley and Kyle Lowry, actually. Um, and they ended up having to trade one of them. Um, it, it it just gets hard with two small point guards or two big centers in, in terms of you're putting your roster together. The thing that's got to be so just sphincter tightening about trading up or trading down is what if the guy we want isn't there, right? We, we've had some times in the past where that's gone awry where the wolves trade up to six thinking garland is going to be there and get stuck with Jarrett culver because cleveland took two small guards in a row which i thought was a great move they they got an all-star player out of that uh, rather than saying oh we have colin sucks and we can't do this yeah and the other famous one is denver trading down from the donovan mitchell pick in 2017 thinking og ananobi was going to be there and then he got picked the the pick before with the raptors and they got uh tyler lydon it seems like they always compound it by not only not getting their guy but then just like completely killing yeah. themselves on the pick to like Culver <laughs> and Leiden I mean oh man that's just that's just atrocious so but what is the process like to determine if you're going to trade down you were talking about if you're going to trade down you're trying to figure out if Shea was going to be there how can you figure out whether a guy's going to be there it's tough I mean you're because you're like the person who would probably have the best idea is the agent and the agent is not necessarily incentivized to be an honest broker in this so right, right. he doesn't want to be oh yeah yeah he'll he'll fall to 23 yeah. he'll be there yeah, yeah. no problem yeah. just just Some move t- down we'll, we'll we don't mind if he doesn't go earlier than that sometimes you get an inc- inclination because yeah. you get the agent calling you in the days leading up to the draft like hey uh you're pick at 37 like just in case like you know like you, so you sort of get an indication like okay i think this guy might be sliding uh but uh, it's it's hard, and I think that's one of the real like psychologically. I think that's why it's hard for teams to trade down, and why teams really have to overpay to move up is because the psychology of moving down is just like okay, our guy's not going to be there. We're just going to get we're just going to end up with whatever. Like it, it, I I think it's really hard, even though kind of the analytics or the math would say you should trade down almost every year because you almost always win on those trade down deals. It's that's a hard thing to do in real life. Yeah, and particularly when you're trading out out of the top five, if we're talking about what's like a fair price if you're the Kings to move, well, let's let's say that four or five thing with Detroit. What are you, what are you looking for as Sacramento to do that? You see that four or five swap? I I don't know if you can get a whole lot out of it. I I you know could you get the forty six pick in two seconds? Like I don't I don't I don't see Detroit giving up a future first just to trade five for four now. Yeah, and they are also they don't have future first either. They don't they're have it because of, of that because that weird uh, Ariza yeah. trade. Yeah, uh, and, and they're rebuilding. Uh, all also doesn't really like they haven't netted future first in their rebuild either the way some other teams have exactly so you know can you can you dump some money in addition to it can you get some things it's a it's a one spot move i mean historically that hasn't paid out that much even relatively high like the uh the clippers charlotte trade 11 for 12 that was a future second right uh so usually not talking about a massive payout for moves like that but when you're talking moving several spots now you're getting into the place where like 
like that's a future first definitely yeah if you go back at some of the history obviously we just talked about the luka trade moving down from three to five that also though was luka Doncic, who i think you know obviously the mavs really prioritized so that was a future first i want to say it was like top eight protected or something like that yeah it was um, a it was a protected first so yeah ended up being ten, oh no sorry it was top five protected and it ended up being number 10 uh, became cam reddish for the next year for atlanta so that that's one of the ones that comes to mind in these move down scenarios but yeah the one slot you know we saw it back in like 96 i think the marbury allen trade i don't think that was like too significant of a return the tyrus thomas lamarcus aldridge trade i think one of the biggest things the bulls got out of that was just having to pay tyrus thomas the salary of the fourth pick instead of the second pick yeah because yeah. they knew that charlotte was going with adam morrison in 2006 for number three so yeah it's uh but yeah as you get later you know, then you get into like you know the 2014 trade of mcdermott for nurkic and gary harris which is 11 for 16 and 19 for example we saw in 2019 number four got traded to the hawks for 8 17 a couple of future seconds and also taking on the salary of solomon hill so just those are kind of examples of what it has taken for these trades of picks like pretty high up like this in the past but this draft isn't quite the same maybe as obviously like that luca draft was in terms of just the value teams place on getting to that spot for that specific player yeah and and like i said you go back and look at some of these some of these trades you know trading up to get doug mcdermott or deandre hunter like it it hasn't always worked out so well i mean luca would probably be the counter example yeah i think you you should not trade up to me unless you at least not into the top 10 and pay that heavy price unless you really believe the player involves future superstar and maybe some people think that uh, about ivy all right let's just we got like five minutes left here okay give me some of your lower rank guys that you're higher on than the consensus before we go uh jeremy sohan uh yeah he's really interesting to me uh it's kind of like a mid-career boris diaz the comparison that i've seen from that that was from keandre too which i thought was a really good one yeah i think he's a little more loosey-goosey than boris um has a little more possibilities as a as a defensive player uh out on the perimeter good good handle can get to the cup uh i think he can he's not as good as a passer as boris but i think he's decent decent enough right now the shot is going to be a question with him uh not like crazy hops but pretty you know pretty athletic overall i i i still think there's a lot of upside there too uh he's polish uh, grew up in england mostly uh you know i I, I just think there's still there's still a lot of developmental potential in him. So I, I'm really intrigued by him. I have him at uh, at eight. Uh, my way out of left field guy is Josh Minot from Memphis. Interesting. Yeah. What, tell me about him. I haven't heard anything about him at all. I think he's probably going to go in the second round. Uh, he didn't play that much for whatever reason, which I thought was really weird because I thought he was like he was their second best player <laughs> a lot of the times. Uh, but uh, crazy high steals and assist rates for for a big forward. Uh, he's you know. 6'8", 6'9", really good on the perimeter. He fouls a lot, has a little bit of a like skinny body and a high base. So uh, I think he's going to get pushed around a little bit until his body fills out a little more. Not a shooter right now, so I think that hurts him. But he's a really good passer just in the flow of the game and in transition. Like I think he can read the game really well. And all the stuff that is negative about him feels to me like stuff that's fixable in terms of strength and shooting. Uh, But he has size, mobility, and feel. And so with with those three things, I, th- I think there's just a lot of upside there that is not really getting valued at this point. I'm really interested to see where he ends up going in the in the draft. I have him 10th on my board, which is wow. my which is way the hell higher than anyone else has him. Uh, so yeah. maybe maybe I'm just completely smoking the funny stuff here. But I, I, I just really like him. Yeah, the guy and I haven't watched much of, of any of the guys down here. And I mostly came across this film due to watching Jabari but I think Walker Kessler is going to be really good uh I think he reminds me a lot of Jakob Pertl as far as like his defensive mobility but also shot blocking maybe not just a pure switch guy but late clock switcher and just able to really affect at the rim and good pick and roll finisher offensive 
rebounder and maybe some shooting potential although i might not be as high on that as some but i I think he's just gonna be you know if he goes in the second half of the first round that seems like it would be too late to me just based on on watching some of his film just in the jabari work that i did i i like his mobility and shot blocking quite a bit i've heard a wide variance of opinion on walker kiss um yeah like some people are convinced that he sucks and some people are are really high on him because of the what what do the people say you think he sucks um that he's he's not actually that good a defender uh even though he blocks a ton of shots and that he doesn't have an offensive role hmm. yeah it seemed to affect things pretty well in the games that i, watched, I mean but yeah that's, 19, again, i'm not as much of an expert 19 percent block rate in the sec i mean that's it's pretty ridiculous um so i mean he definitely he gets shots with either hand sometimes he gets them with two hands like as a pure shot blocker he is like right there with chet uh i just i just don't know about all the other pieces of his game yeah and also he's got just a fantastic bama haircut we need that in, in the nba for sure <laughs> get a little it's like the modern version of bama bangs it's it's like a little bit more swept over to the side but uh all right well obviously we would have so much more we could talk about here i'm sure maybe after summer league we, we'll kind of wrap up and update on some of these guys but this is fun I, I always love debating this with you and i i very fastidiously try to avoid others opinions so i will have some weird takes that at times some of those have been right over the years some of them less so uh, i'm probably not a lot of people who have shade and sharp in the top two <laughs> like i do yeah. necessarily but uh, we'll see we'll see what happens there he could he obviously could bust but i i'm uh i think he has the most superstar potential of anybody uh yeah i guess we'll be back after to wrap up the draft and preview free agency next week so we'll talk to you all then yeah if, if free agency isn't already done by june 27th <laughs> Well, it'll just be expected to agree on it. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, then we can talk about it <laughs> on June 27th, uh, like it's already done. All right, we'll talk to you all next time. Thanks for listening. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.